Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly Sarlow. I'm Karen and today we have a guest with us. She's been with us before um, and back this morning for a different topic this time. Um, welcome Joe. Good morning. Good to be back. We're excited to have you. Um, I'd been recently editing quite a few of the our past podcasts, and uh, I was re-listening to um, some of the shows that you've done with us, and we promised to have you back and talk about some different different topics. So um, something that's been coming up in quite a few of Karen and I's treatments lately is depression, and we wanted to have you back to talk about, um, I, I'll say the differences between depression uh, and grieving, uh, and you had asked some really, really great questions in some of our sessions about um, what we see as medical intuitives and what the guides have to say about what depression really is. So we're going to open up the floor for some really wonderful discussions today. Awesome. Are you wanting to start it, Joe? Sure. Okay. Yes. Um, that way it'll be nice, and then we can give it to you too, which would be, which is kind of how I've been seeing it. So it's it's. It's really cool. Um, depression came up, uh, I guess the last time we talked, it was about three months ago. Can you imagine? Um, I was kind of set free and a new life was starting. And you go through all kinds of emotions after the frog walk, after being laid off. It's not just physical security, it's mental. Um, you don't even see it coming. So I, and I don't know, but I know it, working with both of you and just hanging out with you as friends, thank God. Um, I was feeling that, yes, yeah, something was happening or something had happened in my emotions and brain. Uh, I was starting to communicate differently. I was shutting myself away, thinking that sleep, as we talk, sleep is a healer, but it also can be detrimental if you do it too much. And uh, that was brought out by my friends uh, standing, sitting in, in front of me uh, very nicely, too, with their postures. Um so that kind of floored me because I thought, oh, my God, because really it's not a stigma. I would never stigmatize, but I grew up with it. My family has it. Everybody has it. I think friends have it. But when it hits you and you haven't even seen it, it really made me sad um, to think, oh, maybe I was. And I didn't even think that I could get out of it. Like you guys have taught me and the guides have taught me because when people say you're depressed, Society puts you on something, you know, as we say, pharmaceutically, antidepressants. And I know people who have been on them for 10, 20 years. So I, in my little mind, always thought it probably doesn't go away. It's probably chronic. What happens to the brain once you hit depression? Do you, do you have it forever? And that's, I think I got scared um, with that saying, I have that. And all I could think of was the practices that my family and friends who have it go through and I thought oh my goodness I got another Everest to climb because now my brain and my emotions and my hormones are off do I have to do this route of treatment now for the rest of my life and I I've never I've luckily been able to come out of stuff um, physically with joints uh, sprains and strains and all that kind of stuff so I know there's an end this scared me because I don't know the brain I didn't know it would end so I think I I kind of rolled into well grieving too I, I I became sad and one of my sessions um well actually talking to both of you and I I think I'd like to open it up um because I've learned so much what you think uh how you see the brain because I know you guys see it and Kelly had a beautiful description in one of our um coaching sessions uh to help me get back on life and career and I remember you describing how the the dendrites in the synapses, how they would would work um, with depression, what happens, because I like to see physically, okay, what's the brain doing? Is there a route out? Is there another? And, and so Kelly and Karen, you guys have said a few things and have shown me stuff that kind of gives me hope and it's taught me a lot. So I'd like to have your, um, I'd like you to share that because I think you know, it's January, uh, bell talk, let's talk's coming up. It's kind of timely. People are depressed, but nobody really hears the physiology. Nobody hears that. Yeah, you can get out of this. Uh, no, maybe you don't have to take the chemical route, but if you do, it doesn't have to be forever. Um, because there's a cocktail of other things we can do, you know, movement, exercise, all that kind of stuff, breathing. Um, 
So I liked, but we never hear your angle and your angle, because I studied the body, I thought I knew everything. Can you imagine? Uh, I, not. So, but I've learned so much more uh, for you two. And I'd, lo- I'd love for you to share what you saw and use me in as, as an example and, and please, or clients, because I know you guys have had, uh, it's been a topic. Okay. It, I'm all over the map, of course. So um, I'm just going to go to the first thing that comes to my mind, but it isn't about you. Um, the first thing that, that came to me, Joe, when you were talking is, um, a person who'd crossed over, who came through in a session and, um, was saying to his wife that he didn't realize until he died that he had been depressed and that he actually had been depressed their whole marriage and that he wasn't happy in the marriage. He wasn't, he wasn't a happy person though. He was a people pleaser. So his wife said, no, no, no. You know, he was, he, he, he did everything, you know, for everybody all the time, made him happy. And his spirit was saying, yeah, no. Mm. So I learned from him that people pleasing was one of the biggest things that caused depression. Oh, interesting. And I learned that from talking to a dead person where he, he gave that message and said to his wife, I people please the bejeepers out of everybody. Everybody thinks I was a great guy, but underneath the great guy was a very deep depression. Wow. And he had no idea why, because it's confusing. Because if you're people pleasing others and you're making them happy, why aren't you deeply happy? Shouldn't you be? Mm-hmm. And he couldn't understand that till he passed over that there was a whole aspect of if I'm people pleasing, I don't even know myself. I don't know what I like. I don't know even maybe know what I like to eat because and that's denying your true self. That's denying your own life. Mm-hmm. So if you're denying your own wants, desires, thoughts, you don't even know what you think anymore. I remember one husband coming through and saying, I didn't even know what I thought my wife told me what I thought. Wow. And I was so depressed, but there's no way she would know. So you'll have to get an affirmation by saying our dog's name was Betsy. And if it was, you'll know I'm telling the truth. So if I say, is your dog's name Betsy? And she says, yes, then I know he's saying that. Because otherwise, all she wants to believe is, I told him what to think and that was going, that made him happy. I did a good job. She was so determined to do a good job that she missed seeing her husband. Wow. So that was one little thing, and I'll say one big thing, that I learned from speaking to him and two husbands about what their depression was, and that if they ever tried to explain it to anybody, they didn't even know how to begin. Because how do you really sit down and say to your doctor, I'm people-pleasing, that's a depression. And the doctor says, here's your prescription. And the, the patient says, that's going to solve my people pleasing patterns. No, the drug isn't. But here you go. <laughs> Let's see how it works. Well, numb yourself and keep keep pleasing. Right? Unbelievable. Um, so this is going to be a little difficult because I know you know that we don't remember our sessions. Um, so I'm going to do <laughs> and my it's really true. darndest. <laughs> I'll remind you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. Um, I do remember being in your session uh, and you had asked, you kind of just said, I'll leave it open and I want to know about mental health. And I, I love that because so many clients come in and they, uh, some people call it their tune-up. Um, and they're just, they're really checking in with themselves to make sure that everything's okay. And what you allowed is not just medical intuitive, but, um, psychic. So past the, the, your past in this life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I, what I loved about your session is that the little girl came out, your inner child came out, uh, and talked about what, um, I, well, she called it your fight or flight mode, right? When you were, when you were young and because of circumstances, um, that are, I'll say only your business, um, she went into fight or flight and in order to survive, she chose fight, which meant that she had to shut down in other ways. Mm -hmm. And so 
your brain went into what needs to get done, what needs to get solved, how do I take care? Because you were a caregiver at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of, I'll say, firing and wiring and making new connections as a young a young kid is meant to do, uh, to grow up with a, with a really healthy brain, um, you did what, what needed to be done. You, you focused on necessities. And so certain patterns didn't connect or certain uh, circuits didn't complete themselves. Uh, and I know how tremendously hard you work as an adult to make sure that you are firing and wiring and making new connections. Uh, but it was really neat to hear from your, your inner child and say, this is where things shut down. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that blew my mind because uh, it does mm-hmm. go deep and the brain is developing and children, you know, the, you look at children, then their little brains are so, they're sponge. But when we don't know even how to deal with emotions at, at certain ages, yeah, that's amazing how my brain did what it could, right? Fight or flight. Yeah. And I think it's really neat because when you are constantly needing to assess what is necessary, because that's what you were doing in a fight mode in order to survive, um, we don't get to, I'll say, quote unquote, think of outside the box, right? So we don't get to extend ourselves into imagination or we don't get to extend ourselves into the things that really grow us uh, and create more curiosity or more um, more of what makes us thrive, right? Mm-hmm. Tools. Right. Okay. So Karen said tools and yes, that would be, that'd be a good way to put it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just found it remarkable being inside your brain that day. Hmm. You two are going back and forth about your session, which is perfect. Am I allowed to keep throwing in little things like about other people and stuff? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So I had a client again, just in the last, like I said, just in the last 48 hours and it was long distance over the telephone. And she said, uh, she was bawling. Mm. And she said, I'm depressed. I don't know how to get up in the morning. It was really, really bad. She can't sleep at night. She said she'd been up for two weeks and have, has barely slept. And I, she gave permission. And what came through was, um, it, while she was an infant baby in her crib, um, her mother w- approached the crib and said in her head, um, I had you so that you can take care of me when I'm an old lady. Oh my goodness. And so she was raising this daughter so that there would be a, someone to take care of her. She needed someone to love. She needed, and she was married. There was there, there, the mom and dad are in the same home, but this came through in the session. I said, so by any chance, did this come to pass <laughs> that you've had to mother your mom? And that you've had to do it your whole life. And did she cry? Because Mm. yes, all through her teenage years, her mom went through alcoholism. And she had to parent her mother. She had to take care of her mother. Her dad was in the house and he was working. But it fell on her to fix their marriage and to take care of the other kids in the family as well. And she married a man who has alcohol issues Mm. and could not understand why, had an affair with another man with mental health issues and is going back and forth between two men, but not understanding that right back from birth, like right back into this little baby in her crib, that she hears that her purpose is to fix and take care of other people. And the depression begins. Wow. And so I just, when, when we're talking about it being in the brain, I, I'm hoping that people are hearing how important it is that when you walk into your baby's room or when you're in your home and you're disgruntled with your job or your spouse or your own life, that this is something that is carried energetically by the other people. There's a great responsibility here for us to take care of ourselves and that this mom had it in her mind that her daughter's purpose was going to be to live to take care of someone else. And so her depression then goes back to that day. So energetically in that healing session, we go back to that point of what the contract is. Mm -hmm. Was the contract written by the two souls before they both came to earth for her to do this? Or was the contract for her to basically say to her mother's spirit, yeah, fuck you. I'm living my own life. And somebody might say, yeah, but that's a newborn baby in a crib. Mm -hmm. 
but is that the actual contract for her soul as she grows to reclaim life, to fight for her life, and that it's worth fighting for. And as you guys are talking about, what does that do to the baby's brain as it's growing every day as that mom and daughter and husband and the family interact with each other? How is that mom implementing and inserting thoughts into her daughter's mind that you're here to take care of me? Mm-hmm. And how deep, and, and that's why I said it's so very, very important. I'm, I'm pretty adamant about attacking antidepressants. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not going to hide it. I, I know there's a purpose for them, but I'm saying that it, it, it's become a blanket over everything mm-hmm. instead of seeking help in other areas where other people do have gifts or professions that can help people heal better than just a drug on top. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Love it. That story rings to me too. Oh, good. I, I'm happy to hear that, Joe. I'm, I, and I know that today, when people hear this story, and when you do that, there can be tears. And, and that is not depression. No, that <laughs> remember, we I was saying to you, you're that's grieving. Mm-hmm. And there's, we don't allow as mediums, I often hear people say, after I had a, a one hour session with you, like my depression was gone. And like, is that energy healing? And I'm thinking, maybe. But is it also the fact that you finally got an apology or an, an acknowledgement from a parent or or somebody that's passed over that hurt you? Mm-hmm. Did you finally get closure? Or did you finally get an answer to something you've never been able to understand? Mm-hmm. Yes. And does that free you in that depression to start talking and your brain to start going, nah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was my that was my sound effect. That's exactly what my brain does. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, Kelly. Kelly is really good at sound effects. She might be better than me at this. Oh, good. Let's bring it on. But when you ask about when I go into that baby's brain, so somebody listening, maybe some neurologist mm-hmm. or I don't know, some average Joe out there, mm-hmm. hmm, no pun there intended, <laughs> um, might be thinking, how'd she get that? How'd she see that? Well, the guides give that. Mm-hmm. That that that's something where Kelly and I are just the receivers of seeing it hearing it understanding it and relaying it so that you can do your healing yeah and it's so beautiful to have that objective view as I like to say because you can beat yourself up all your life because all of a sudden you 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 need something but you don't know why you don't know how you do everything else by the book um, which you know probably describing my own life because you know it's all about me right now Um, but it's interesting that you guys are putting the puzzles, you guys are helping me put the puzzle together after all these years. And you can actually say, okay, this is it. This is objective. I know how to heal now. It's, it wasn't my fault. Uh, you can't blame yourself. Maybe I wasn't good enough. Uh, I was a smart little girl and, and that's probably why I got the job, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. You can heal anytime and maybe in your fifties, who knows if you're lucky. One of the things that sticks out in my mind from your session was the fact that when we went back into the childhood uh, to see where things had started, they talked about where you didn't feel safe or loved, Mm -hmm. Um, that you were responsible for providing others with a space for safety and love. Mm -hmm. But when the brain doesn't comprehend that you are safe and loved, that's when depression can start because there isn't any kind of foundation to build a life and so you've worked since, what, six or seven years old yep. to create that those two things for yourself instead of having it provided for you mm-hmm. um, or given the tools, you know, to then go and build a life with it. You had to acquire them all on your own. Um, and, I, and I hope people are hearing that on a broader scale that when you're in, you know, Karen, you're talking about marriages, when you don't feel safe in your marriage, and I'm not talking about if he or she hits you, but simply to express your opinion or to come home at the end of the day with a purchase that you made. You know, some people are afraid that their spouses are going to say, well, how much did it cost? We can't afford that. Um, there's so many ways to not feel safe. And then in turn, so many ways to f- not feel loved or valued. Um, that, that generates depression. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah, you can pull yourself out of it or you can be pulled out of it by a huge life change, um, which I think is really neat because you've, you've just done that. I mean, you're talking about your frog walk and maybe someone pushed you into a life change. Mm-hmm. Um, but the depression lifts, but then the grieving starts. And this is really cool because I, I watched you guys talk about this just kind of leading up to it, that the depression isn't necessarily ever present, but you're now grieving the fact that you were depressed and because you're now realizing what you've been through. Oh, how many people are, I'll say, relieved right now, wanting to ball their eyes out right now, overwhelmed? <laughs> yeah, I can see and feel it, Joe. It's okay, the river's flowing. Yeah, and that's the healing. That's the energetic shift that happens in the energy healing session part of what we do. Because we don't just do medium we do the healing with it Mm -hmm. and that's why it's not therapy that there's there's such that and i'm always trying to just just like separate the difference because there's such a purpose for the therapy too Mm -hmm. but there's such a there's something that kelly and i can do because of the combination of gifts that we have and how we can put that together how does this woman who calls me from some other province um be able to get that information in that quick, within one minute of her call, I'm watching her as a baby and having her watching her mom walk into a room. I can describe the room. I can describe everything where the beginning of the depression starts. It doesn't start when her and her husband are fighting or when she marries the first alcoholic husband. It doesn't start in any of those things. The actual moment, I call it the trigger moments mm-hmm. because they're the moments like a light switch where all of a sudden something is shut off. So Ah, good. Yeah. And the, in the energy healing, and then when we're dis, when we finally find out when it is, it's when it turns on. So when we we're can. when we're starting, when we can actually acknowledge what it was. So now I th- here, let's just keep going. So now, as you're moving along in life, and you go to take care of yourself, Joe, you go to say, nope, I don't want to go out for dinner with you. Nope. You're not, this isn't the group of friends I want to be around anymore. Nope. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to say no to something. You're made to feel guilty. You're made to feel ashamed for your no. Mm -hmm. Because right from birth, that mom is conditioning you never to say no, because she wants you to say yes to her. Mm -hmm. And now it's not just with her. That's a pattern in the brain. Mm -hmm. Those are the beliefs. And those are right down scientifically right down into all of those little energetic emotions that get attached to thoughts. It's so deep. Kelly's I get so excited <laughs> talking about the brain. I know. <laughs> Kelly's can you see mine? Compose right myself. <laughs> um okay, so again, I keep saying the part that I loved out of your session. Apparently I love the whole thing. Um oh Okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Mike's smacking me in the face here. She's giving you better posture. <laughs> Thank you. Um what I loved uh, about watching the brain in all of this, because you kind of, all of this has been a really nice segue, is how um, with different emotions we short circuit. So you had talked about that your communication had changed since uh, since your life change happened and everything. And, and I know you've been working on that as well. Um, when we feel deep anger or deep sadness, uh, a lot of us don't complete our own thoughts in the brain itself. And then we stop verbally communicating as well. So we stop and start sentences without really finishing them. Um, and we think we're doing a good job of communicating because that's as far as the brain went, mm-hmm. uh, not realizing that the person in front of us is kind of waiting for the rest of the rest of the sentence to be explained. Um, and uh, just watching how, I don't know, this is going to sound weird, but I should drop the word weird. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, watching the electricity, so watching the neurons fire, I see it in like a neon green in the brain and I can see where uh, one thought begins and where it's trying to get to uh, and when it misses. So when when the firing stops, Mm. right? And what's really neat is that people who stay in depression long enough, when they short circuit all of their thoughts continuously, gray matter develops. And the brain starts shutting down. You're nodding yes, so this feels good. Oh, I see it the same way, but I'm... I see it the same way, but I'm going to add to that. Or maybe you will be too. 
Okay. Love um, it. Yeah. So to watch how the brain, because we, we as humans, I think we use the term shut down or maybe just in the English language, but I don't think we actually know what that means, right? We don't, we, you know, we get all these terms about how the body shuts down, but we don't necessarily know how that actually affects us. And so when gray matter develops in the brain, we stop using that that part of our brain and, and like a muscle that atrophies, mm -hmm. it no longer works. Mm -hmm. It's no longer of use to us. And so there is a huge, huge amount of work that needs to be done to reconstruct the brain, which, you know, people re refer to children as being resilient and yeah, to a certain degree. But when you've done that to over a lifetime, that's infinitely more work to, um, to strip away that gray matter and really repair the brain. Wow. Um, I don't believe children are all that resilient. So I'm just going to put that out there. Karen Sarlow said children are not resilient. They might be to some degree as far as doctors are concerned in science. But as far as what I get in energy healing, that's when a lot of destruction has, occurs in the brain um, emotionally. Mm -hmm. And then from the emotions, if you want to call it almost like a sheath around the actual thought, it deteriorates the thought. So that's the nerve or whatever you want to call that because I'm not science. Well, I am science, but I mean, I don't see it in the way a scientist does. I get it the way Karen and Kelly do apparently. But I also see it where it looks like a tree. So if you look, Kelly calls it a brain tree. <laughs> I just saw so, her brain tree. <laughs> yeah, she, we've got a brain tree in North Bay out in the woods and we <laughs> Kelly just loves it. But it's like a tree. And if people can see the branches and say the tree is a beautiful lime green, because I get it exactly like Kelly in that lime green color. Mm -hmm. And where the thought and where the emotion are damaged, it's like if you take a match and you've burned the ends of the branches. So to me, they're all black. And Kelly refers to that as that gray area. If it's gray, then it means for me that I know that that was done way back in childhood. If it's black, then I know that it's more recent burnings. So that to me is a current relationship. Mm -hmm. So the black stuff means that it's dead, but somebody is burning it now. So that would be the current relationships they're in. So it could be jobs. What? Yeah. Nice. So it could be your job. Wow. It could be your marriage. It could be a girlfriend. I, I just throw different relationships out there interfacing constantly. I know people might think I pick on marriages, but that's, that's not the point. It's, it's whoever's around you in your life. So I see them as black and they're dead and I can see, um, to what degree they're burnt sometimes. And I can also watch to see how they relate to other ones on other branches. Wow. So then I can go and look at a branch that's career related, but then I can see another branch that says uh, best friend on it. Then I can see another branch that says neighbor and I can see another branch that says uh, son. And so I can literally look at the client and go, well, hold up here. We have a pattern <laughs> and I'm looking at the following and jot it down on a piece of paper. You're actually doing these behaviors with these following people so that when they go home, they've got some homework. This mm -hmm. is where they can step off to therapy if they choose and be able to say to a therapist, I need to talk about these relationships and how these are related. And mm -hmm. as they go through that or talking to Kelly and I or whoever their people are in their world that, and here's the thing that's beautiful about it, that green stuff gets to come back <laughs> because you can recreate you can this is where when somebody says that's when it's resilient yes but there is no freaking resilience for kids if they're never given the tools that's why i said there's no such uh, thing as a resilient kid no. there is not that's a bullshit statement if they don't get the tools to do something different and have different experiences resilience is gone wow i love well, that and i she, you've officially smacked me twice with this mic. Uh, thank you. <laughs> She's my best friend. Um, with love. This is what we're talking about in, in terms of safety and love, right? And, and when the, the brain shuts down. <laughs> I'm glad you find it funny. <laughs> uh, I, and I'm glad that you said it that boldly. Uh, yeah. Because I think, I think people and maybe some doctors... Really, maybe doctors aren't listening. Who knows? Um, think about it in terms of how fast they can bounce back from a surgery and fit and physically bounce back, right? Which is what you did. You mm -hmm. physically bounced back from everything, and you were able mm -hmm. to get up. You were able to make breakfast and make sure the house was okay and the kids were okay. Um, but 
in terms of the brain, that that's, I'll say close to permanent, because unless you bump into people in your life who are going to say, I want to help offer you tools, Mm -hmm. then no, we don't, we don't have that opportunity. No kidding. And Joe heard, (laughs) this is why we love you. And why when you asked me in the restaurant Saturday night, why I am still your friend, I paused and thought and let you have time and me as well, because you are doing your work. Because there's a great amount of respect for that. It's not that we expect you to get it perfect. No. It's not that we expect that you fix those little green dendrites or whatever you call them all in one <laughs> night and show up the next morning. Even though I want to. Yes. <laughs> even though each of us wants to. But that but that, uh-huh. that is a process. And that's why it's so important that drugs don't just come in and sit on top of the process. Mm-hmm. Because then if you aren't allowed to feel the feelings, you really aren't being resilient. You really aren't creating new tools and you can't heal those little dead branches because a drug sits on top, giving it another feeling or masking or numbing a feeling that you can't really grow back and feel again. Mm-hmm. Even though some for some people to feel happiness, somebody might say, I can't since my wife died, I can't feel happy. Mm-hmm. I can't I don't even want to. But the process goes slow enough. And, and in little bits of increments that that the brain can actually give them little moments where they can cope with the feeling of being happy again. They just don't know they can. Mm-hmm. So they need to be told that you actually can do that. I know, I know one listener and she's repeating, you can't, you can't heal it until you feel it. And it was something that came <laughs> out in, in her session because uh, there had been several accounts of abuse uh, on a physical level. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's someone who's sitting there going, I want to heal it right away. Right. Of course mm-hmm. you want to be over it. Everyone tells you to get over it. And it's never something that you get over yeah. when you've been abused or your safety and your love has been taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, that goes back to not just physical. Um, but until you allow time to, f- to actually feel it, there is no healing. Because there is no awareness. You have to actually be aware of what it is you're feeling in order to know what tools you need to move forward. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yes, I love that. And you guys have have been awesome to teach me gently and slowly. And I know sometimes it didn't always reach me. And I know sometimes I would look back and, and I would say, oh, that's what that meant. Because I think you've taught me it's process. It's not an event. You know, it's not like, all right, Friday night, Joe's going to do her work. She'll be back Saturday. That's, <laughs> and you know what? A few times I thought that's the way it was because that's the way my brain and I have done it. I'm so glad you said that. I want to quote you. What? It's not an event. It's a process. <laughs> it's a process, not an event. Uh, and I've been telling myself that. And every time I see you guys, I think, oh my goodness, I hope I've done enough work because you guys are so beautiful to know and to see and to to coach me and to give me space and just look at me. But it's so foreign. You, it blows me away. It actually scares me <laughs> when you stop and just look and listen and you think, no, go ahead, Joe. <laughs> and then I know my dendrites are firing, probably going in every direction but the one it's supposed to because of the gray matter uh, blockage. just like a roadblock, I think. Um, so then I just, I, I, I learned to just process it and be quiet and it's safe and it's with love when you guys do it. But it's it's um it's been really interesting to see that, how foreign it could be and scary, but it's not. It's just like I'm learning a new language. It's like I'm learning Greek. And, uh, and it's, you guys would say to me, you know, Joe, I'm just taking a minute now and thinking about it. And then, you know, it's something hits my brain that's not normal. But then it's the more you guys are doing it and the more I'm sitting with you. And I think I ran away for a while. and I didn't come around because I didn't know what to do because it was so um, it's not it wasn't normal for my brain, my little Joe brain. And it's uh, it's been wonderful. And hell um, breaking the bridge, breaking that broken road and trying to rebuild it. And I'm, I'm starting to see it's awesome. And, you know, I have a, at least 30 or 40 more years to live. So, uh, yeah. I'm really, I'm really glad that you said that it's awesome and horrible. Or yeah. All yes. at the same time, because, uh-huh. because that is part of the healing process is that you feel two emotions that conflict. Mm-hmm. 
And that is one of the most beautiful things that I get, we get to see and feel. So I want to move on to, can, is that okay? Please. I want you to hear this. I'm hoping everybody hears this. Kelly and I are empaths. You don't feel it alone. Mm. Kelly and I feel it with you. Mm-hmm. We don't just say, oh, I saw some green dendrites in the black branches. And we translated that to mean that you have a f- malfunctioning brain. I don't talk like that. <laughs> I love her new voice. You know, <laughs> like, well, really, I'm just saying like oh, that yeah. it's not all, it's yes. not all just that we're no. outside of this experience saying, oh, we've observed this in a lab. And here you go. No, <laughs> we I, I see feel that. it. It's so different. The experience to to go through this with Kelly and I is so different because we actually feel everything as empaths. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there and you're feeling depression, and we did a show about this where I woke up one morning, I wanted to kill myself. There were three ways I had planned to kill myself before I got out of bed. And it was my first client calling from Australia. And the way she wanted to kill herself, the three ways I described to her were accurate. I felt her deep depression. I couldn't move in my mm. bed. I could not breathe. I remember when I got up and and walked past Kelly in the hallway and she said, how was your night? I went, I want to kill myself. And she mm. went, what? Ha, hold up. <laughs> Debrief time. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I want to slip my wrist, take drugs and drive the car off uh, a bridge into the ocean. And she went, well, that wouldn't be your shit because we don't have an ocean. Thanks, Kel. <laughs> Thanks, Kel. I'm glad that's I'm what so grabbed you. I'm so glad you too debrief. I typically like to just get to the point. Yeah, I love that about you too. And people are hearing <laughs> what it's like before we get to this show in the morning and have coffee. Oh, we put in a whole day first. Yes. I um I'd like to talk about a client that I recently just had, um, just along the lines of being an empath and feeling depression. Uh, wonderful client. She returns quite often. She's one of the ones who just kind of wants to tune up every you know six months asks really intelligent questions. Um, She came in and she asked, first of all, if she asked about another person, um, was there a line of integrity that I had to be careful of? And I said, absolutely, thank you for asking me that. Because she wanted to ask questions about her cousin, who's still here as a human. And I said, I'll check in with your cousin, see if I'm allowed to give you information, and then you can ask whatever questions you want. So again, like already mindful of, of... huge amounts of respect, you know? And, uh, she said, um, I want to know if my uncle has messages for my cousin. So this would be a father and a daughter, right? Mm. And so he started talking about the, uh, the dad being the one who, who passed, um, talking about what his daughter was going through, uh, in grieving his passing. Mm. And what my client's question was, is how do I help my cousin? She wanted to know what the messages were from the father so that she could know how to help her cousin. Not to get in the way, not to interfere, but just to simply help her move forward. Um, And so in in that process, being an empath, I literally felt the flush of anxiety from the chest up to the head, the head swooshing when you feel your own heartbeat in your ears, um, the sickness, the weakness in the knees where you literally can't hold yourself up Mm. uh, because she's grieving her dad, the loss of her dad so deeply. And uh, my client in that moment started opening up her gifts. And as I was describing everything, she's like, I'm fucking feeling all of this too. And I said, that's what your cousin goes through each time she thinks about her dad. And she just wept for her. And uh, anyway, she she just said, what do I do? And so by being an empath and feeling everything that her cousin had felt, we could give her messages uh, to to understand, you know, how to be there and, and support her physically and emotionally, hmm. which I just thought was amazing. But her cousin, opening up her own gifts, got to feel everything that she felt. Oh, my God. And, you know, even though it it, it too was hell, um, there was there was a desire to empathize that deeply so that she could love her better. It's mm, beautiful. Yeah, remarkable. Yeah, like you too. I love that. I love mm. that story because a lot of people are afraid of feeling something and yet they say they love somebody. Mm. And, and this woman is actually loving somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's such a difference between saying that you love someone and actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And that when you actually love somebody, that it's not all easy. 
or that it's all, I'll say, positive. And there's so much stuff out there right now about that you have to just find the good in everything. Well, that's a that's crock bullshit. of shit. <laughs> that's that's bullshit. such a crock of shit. Gotta keep it real. Yeah. Because if you're just going to just be friends um, or um, be married to somebody or work with somebody and you just want all the positive, uh, you might miss out on lessons. You might miss out on grunt work. You might miss out on connections. Um, there's, 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 and your life path. Some people mm. come in and say, I want to know what my life path is. And I go, okay. And it's a pretty freaking rough one. And they're looking at me going, oh, I'm just positive. And if I, if I get my vision board up and I, I think positively about everything, here comes another voice, everything on my vision board, it's all going to be good for me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not earth. Have you been on this planet? How's that working for you? Maybe they're medicated. Hey, yes. Oh, yes. When people are medicated, I've heard um, that it just flattens everything. They have no emotion. Can I interject? A Please, th- with that voice. When I do an energy <laughs> healing session for somebody that's on antidepressants, oh, go. It is totally different. There's like a gray mist in the room. So it's 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 that it's, numbness. Yes, I call it. I actually call it the gray, gray mist, mist because everything over their body is there. It's like they have a gray sheen. As soon as I see the gray sheen, it's like oh. Okay, you're on antidepressants. And they look at me and go, how do you know that? I love that. There's a gray mist all over your body. And it's because they can't feel anything. So imagine now, if you're, you're a human being, mm-hmm. you're sent to this, this is, this is planet Earth, and you're not supposed to feel anything. How are you really supposed to navigate that? How do you live? How That's do you, no fun. How do you protect yourself? How mm-hmm. do you make good, healthy decisions? Mm-hmm. If you are numb, yeah it's kind of like being it's kind of like having no feelings like ms in your hands say you're numb Mm -hmm. and you put your hand down on a stove Mm -hmm. but you can't feel the stove so you burn your hand and you can't feel the burn Mm -hmm. so you do it again yes and again and i call that getting into different jobs different relationships because you're numb you can't feel i love that well there's your there's there's your depression yeah I, i had coffee I'm so it's glad because she's got louder and louder, and this is the first time she's actually done voices. I love so that new voice. Kelly. Maybe we might change this to tea with the Sarlos. Decaffeinated maybe, tea with the Sarlos. Maybe warm milk with Karen. Maybe if anyone sees me in Twigs or Tim Hortons and they know me or recognize me, they they can step up and say, "Make her coffee a decaf, double decaf, double double for Karen." Please send it. I love you. I actually do love her on caffeine. You don't give an energy healer caffeine. You don't give energy healers energy. They have it all. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that. <clears throat> That's very telling. Um, yeah. So depression, uh, it's its interesting and fun to learn through you two. And, uh, and have you guys as friends, awesome friends to work the tools with. I think I'm doubly blessed because not a lot of people know tools. So my quandary was, who do I work and and go through my training with? And I don't want to teach them tools because I'm just going to be selfish and learn my own right now. And you two have really taught me gently. And I know you feel it. I see it in your eyes. As soon as my eyes fill up, theirs fill up. Um, I try and hide it, but I'm really not good at that, um, which is a good thing. And uh, it's been a really interesting road and and depression I really wanted to talk about because there's a difference between mental health and mental illness. Um, You've taught me depression can go away. It's not, you're not broken forever. Um, And I needed to see that because the brain is different than musculoskeletal injuries. Uh, and that scared me. Um, But the way you've taught me and shown me my brain and the other brains, it's been awesome because then it gives you hope and I think anybody who listens to this everybody knows everybody anybody with depression or has had it but no one tells you you Joe you you were depressed or Joe you are depressed and I know Karen you've said that to me and I and that was like that was such a moment and I've not turned back and uh, things have happened for good reasons and I'm really lucky I can work at it. Can I say too, as a friend, Joe, that when, when I have said something like that point blank to somebody, um, you are depressed, that some people, um, 
run from that. They drop me as a friend or as a, th- as a practitioner or professional mm-hmm. in their life. They don't come back. They leave. Really? Um, because they don't want to face the, their own depression. They would rather stay in it um, mm-hmm. than have to make changes um, uh, in their life. And so one of the things that depression brings about is change. Yes. And for those people that don't want to make any changes, then they stay, they all say they stay in those relationships, jobs, whatever, whatever it is, um, maybe alone, maybe they're single and their depression is part of that, but they don't make any effort to socialize after that or Mm -hmm. to figure out how to come outside of that. Um, but one of their fears is change. Um, are you going on to, uh, are you leaning in? Cause you want to tell a story? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, <laughs> we're sharing a microphone. <laughs> I love that. The new mic's coming. Um, no, what I wanted to say was you were talking about people not wanting to deal uh, with their own stuff. And I just kind of wanted to add maybe a layer cause it's not really, it's not really different. Um, I think like having come from a psychology background, we talk about making you and I statements. Um, so that when you make a you statement, people generally take it as an attack. So if you are in an unfortunate position to have to tell someone that you love that you are depressed, instead of saying, I feel that you are depressed, um, it's perceived as an attack. And I think there's a perception of that that friend kind of sitting on a high horse uh, and making a judgment instead of that person who, Karen, where you're saying they don't want to deal with their stuff, they don't sit there and sit back and ask questions and say, what have you observed to be able to make that comment ask the good questions to know what the friend has seen and why they care enough mm-hmm. to make that statement uh, so right? true so instead of looking at, at it as an attack because it needs to be said um sit back and ask ask the right questions mm-hmm. um can i keep going please ptsd oh. i sang that you are i love her on caffeine <laughs> PTSD. PTSD. Mm -hmm. So there's another one where I got to learn from clients. Um, When I saw the brain, when the person walks in the door or calls from a different country, you don't see them over the telephone. But the guides give the information that the person has PTSD. And then I get to Kelly and I get to watch what occurred to create the moment where they had PTSD, where the light switch went on or off. So if they were in a war and, and I'm, I will throw some different things out there because not everybody gets PTSD by being in a war environment. Some people's families are war environments. Um, and some job situations are war environments. Um, so you, we get to see where that switch turns. Uh, some people are raped, uh, both male and female, um, are raped, uh, or go through different situations where, PTSD occurs or PTSD can occur over a long period of time where they're in a relationship where the abuse is just all day, every day. And so they have a different, and I hearing now that they're in psychology is coming up with different classifications for PTSD. Hmm. So we get to see what happens to that brain uh, when though the event or series of events repetitively occur where the brain can't function in a healthily, healthy way, creating, um, I'll say, skewed emotions, because the person, as Kelly is describing, is in a fight or flight mode. And the depression comes in because there's, I'll call it a scramble. Mm. And so we get to watch. It's beautiful. If somebody actually said to me, what, it look like, what does it look like? It is absolutely beautiful because it's colors, it's geometric shapes. It's absolutely stunning. It's a stunning mess, but it's still stunning Mm. because it's still a human being. Mm. And when you look at that and you get to say to their spirit, okay, what the hell kind of mess is all of this? It looks gorgeous. Oh, that's PTSD. This is what's occurred. And it's like, okay, you get to, we get to watch that and see what that's doing to the brain and what it's doing to the decision-making process. I, I like that you called it beautiful, and I'm going to go back to my Grey's references here, because um, that's the only any show that I know to reference. it's real. It's real, Kel. Um, Derek Shepard, every time he looks at a scan and he sees tumors, he calls them beautiful. Um, and it's life. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think it's beautiful because it's still life. 
And you can look at a brain of a healthy person, whatever that means. You can look at someone with um, mental illness, and it's still beautiful because no matter how the neurons are firing or wiring or not firing and wiring, um, mm. it's the, the human is still functioning in some way right? Maybe not to capacity, but there's still function happening. And I think it's remarkable. And I'm not going to bring up resilience again, because I know that's, well, not, well, we've kind of redefined what resilience is. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's still some sort of function. And I think it's remarkable that some people can even put one foot in front of the other with depression Mm -hmm. or PTSD or whatever it is that they are living with and fighting through. Mm -hmm. Mm, I love that. She's back. Because I want to go to another one. <laughs> I, I, I was so excited when Kelly said you were coming. We were doing a depression. Um, because it, I love I, getting happy about depression. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> another treatment that came through was someone that came in and asked about um, a, a person in their family that has Alzheimer's oh. and um, depression. Both. With Alzheimer's. What does that look and like? what the brain look like for us as energy healers and, and psychics and with all of these gifts and what what uh, the depression is when you have, an, 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 I'll, I'll say, a second um, event or situation that the brain is going through. Mm. And what the spirit is saying, or if they're nonverbal, mm-hmm. is there a depression? So if somebody is a nonverbal person, maybe they're in a coma. And th- these were things that I just blew my mind. So doing a treatment for somebody that's in a coma, only to find out that they're not depressed at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're totally enjoying their life. Um, a young man with cerebral palsy who's paralyzed, can't mm-hmm. move, can't speak, can't do any, basically much, anything. Everyone has to do everything for him and that there's no depression. Mm-hmm. Wow. He has no depression. And I'll say he does on certain days with certain events and certain people's behaviors, but that he still, his brain still functions. And somebody might think, that his brain level activity isn't there because he can't communicate. And yet it's extraordinary. That's amazing. I love that. And he's discovered ways because you think about it, if you have MS, if you have different diseases that cause depression, mm-hmm. I'll say physiologically, but I don't really know what that means. So, you know, you can laugh at me about that one, but just meaning that maybe biologically they have a depression because I I often hear people say, well, if you have MS, one of the side effects of it is depression. Really? So then I get to look at that as an energy healer and go, okay, but I'm seeing that this person doesn't have it. How come? I love that. Well, perhaps they're just grieving that they uh-huh. have an illness and there, there is a difference. Thank you. Uh, but it was it was classified as depression. So there are drugs for it. Oh, so many Maybe labels. They classify stupid shit. <laughs> and that is on Coffee with the Tarlos. <laughs> wow. No, I, I'm saying that you can quote us. <laughs> oh, okay. It makes so much better sense. Is that a sentence? Mm-hmm. That makes way more... When I heard that from you, there's a difference between grieving and depression. Because I turned into grieving and I thought, am I depressed? And, and you said, no. I remember that day you just said, there's a difference, Joe. Grieving and depression. You're grieving. And I, that to me was so, um, it just helped me move forward even more. And that's, I think everybody needs to hear that because, yeah, that's, that's moving me forward. And, but nobody ever tells you that. I think another thing, it's just the way that we talk about mental health or mental illness. Mm-hmm. That's number three, Karen. Fuck. <laughs> hit me again. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the tubes are um, oh, getting caught. <laughs> yes. Sorry. It's okay. Um, We're a little it's discombobulated. The, it's the way that we talk about mental health, right? And I yes. think we talked about this previously a couple weeks back. Screw off. Like, don't touch the mic. <laughs> um, we talked about this in anxiety and how one of the best tools that we've learned is to talk about anxiety as a third person um, or an, outs- an outside person. So if, you, if you're dealing with anxiety, it's, it's not I am anxious or I have anxiety. You know, you can call her Linda if she bothers you. And every time you have an anxious feeling, you're like, oh, fuck, there's Linda. Um, (laughs) But it's it's outside of yourself so that you don't you don't identify as someone um, who has to fight her whole life with this because it's who you are. Right. And we we typically say I am depressed. We we take it and absorb it into our identity. Oh, 
instead of saying I am dealing with depression. I am trying to move through a depression where we classify it as an event, right? Depression is an event and it Mm -hmm. is a process to go through it. Mm -hmm. Oh, we never hear that. Society needs to hear that. You know, even if it's depression, a back injury, you are now the girl with the back injury forever. It's your new identity. Uh, I've seen that. I felt it. And I thought, I kept saying, it's done. I've moved forward. I'm not Joe Hurd with the broken back. Uh, But that, and then you throw the, can you imagine people who have depression and who don't get to hear this podcast? And I hope everybody hears this. Um, of what Kelly and Karen say, because that is the difference between that, probably your lights being switched on and moving forward, or just saying, I'm, I'm depressed. And my name's Joe, because that's your new, your new label for you. And it's not, it's a piece of you, but that piece can get really, really small and go away. And I think we need to hear that. But society never supports that or says that. Thank you. And in some of the treatments, we get to hear those thoughts because we hear people's thoughts. And somebody might say, you can't hear people's thoughts. Eh, Whatever. So if I can hear someone's thoughts and say, this is, these are the things that you've believed about yourself in this lifetime. Is that accurate? If that person can sit there at some point and go over some of those statements and think, yes, these are things that I do believe, then some of that aspect, some of that depression is caused by what they believed. Mm Mm-hmm. And that belief system is what has created the depression. Now, that's not for every single person. That's where it's beliefs. And for a moment, I want to go into one more thing. Um, Backwards training. Where as a child or at some point in a relationship, someone backwards trains you so that they can have control over you. And that creates a depression. So uh, can I give an example of the backwards training? Okay. Um, And I I use one simple one um, that when you're a child, say you cut your hand and you have a bobo and it's, it's a cut, it's wide open. Maybe it's bleeding, you know, little blood sitting there and you might go up to somebody and say, I have a bobo. And they look at you and go, no, you don't. There's nothing wrong with you. You want a problem? I'll give you a problem. There's no bobo. So your, your, brain has to actually, I'll say in a physical way, it has to heal. So skin tissue actually has, there actually is a physical healing. The blood has to dry up. Mm -hmm. You, somebody does have to wash it off at some point. That little cut, actually the skin cells have to go back together and do their job. So your body and your brain have to say, yeah, there's a problem here, (laughs) but there's, there's gotta be another part that all of a sudden has to create itself to disassociate and say there is no problem. So, and when that's where Kelly's saying, you might call that, what did you call it? Abby? I call it Abby. What did you oh, say? Vicky. Vicky. So, Vicky. So, Vicky has to say, there's nothing wrong with me. Or, and, but the brain says, yes, there is, because the brain actually has to get the healing done. So, there has, to, and that's where depression originates right there. Because there has to be a denial in order to go forward. And that's where I love our gifts because we get to watch those moments and say to somebody, hey, your backwards training began when this person, you had a dad that did this. He always, you, whenever you had a problem, he would deny that you had the problem. Mm-hmm. He would say, I never said that. And, or you didn't tell me that. I remember th- things like um, that I would say, hey, do you want to go to such and such for supper tonight? And the person would say to me, I don't know. Um, no, I don't think so. And then later they would be in the car waiting to go. And I would look and go, what the hell are they doing in the car? Mm-hmm. And the person would say to me, oh, we're going out for, you said we're going out for dinner. And I'd say, yeah, you said no. No, I didn't. That's backwards training. Wow. So in those moments when you get backwards trained over and over again, and you've got, you're always second guessing yourself, that's when you have to disassociate and create depression. Hmm. Wow. Love it. Okay, Cal. I was just going to ask if there's anywhere else we'd like to go today, or if we want to uh, call it a day and open up the floor to questions. That's a great idea. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Joe, thank you. It was a pleasure having you back. Thank you. 
I revved, I revved myself up. Loved it. Karen's <laughs> going to have to do one on her own. <laughs> I, I did because I'm so, I, love pa- it. I'm, I am so in love, I'll say, with the human spirit. Hmm. And, and that's what motivates this practice, this podcast show, this relate, these relationships that I create with my daughter, my son, you, a friend, mm-hmm. each client, that, that soul that says these are the moments and these are the things that happened are what drive me every day. Because if I actually look at human behavior, ah, <laughs> there's not much driving me there. <laughs> I love you. So, thank you. I love you too. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll, I'll calm down. And uh, no, don't. K- Kelly can <laughs> Kelly can tell people how to get a hold of us. <laughs> I have FOMO. I want to say that I love you guys too. <laughs> oh, good. I love you too, Kel. Uh, okay. Well, I'll say thank you to everyone who is listening today. And uh, as always, we'll open up the floor. If people have questions, you can reach us at info at Um Questions or comments on today's podcasts. And uh, we'll always remind you to please be kind. Uh, and we're we're happy to take your suggestions and build more podcasts from it. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you guys next week.